0: to the bloke and the bird show with a packed show this week packed all kinds of stuff happening this week
1: so people should go get a drink now because they're going to be glued to their
0: ipods well don't get a drink if you're driving because well it could be alcohol non-alcoholic but if it's alcoholic you know we don't recommend we do not condone such things
1: no but and if you're driving i wouldn't want you to like stop everything to go get a drink you might have to go pee later you know
0: but the the good news is that since we are a podcast we can be paused true we just ask that we are resumed at some point
1: please resume us we get
0: bored after a while don't do that (laughs) (laughs) but buckle up this
1: show is packed full of important exciting almost earth-shattering information actual facts may be shared
0: yeah i would say maybe the actual facts part i don't know about the other stuff i was going to warn you not to overplay this you know this is our show after all
1: have you met (laughs) me i overplay everything (laughs) all right (laughs) so in order for us to get into all things f1 because i don't know if you've looked at the calendar michael but i have and do you know what next weekend is
0: australia Yay! It's Australian for racing, mate. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that was a stretch, but whatever. That was actually (laughs) kind of
1: bad. Please do not judge the rest of the show on that. Um, So what we're going to do is kind of flip this thing on its head because opening weekend for F1 is next weekend, but opening weekend for IndyCar is going on as we
0: speak. It is. You know, we had... uh, Qualifying at the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, which is apparently promoted and being put on and managed by the same folks who run Mid-Ohio Sports Car Track or or Sports Car Park.
1: So we had the distinct joy of actually watching qualifying yesterday. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And... It's a road course. So as we discussed last week in my how many different ways can we have qualifying section of the IndyCar rules, um, it's run very, very similarly to an F1 uh, qualifying, except for the Quali1 is divided into two groups. And here's why. Mm -hmm. There are 22 drivers on the grid across 10 teams mm-hmm. now the teams are not like f1 teams where they only have two drivers we have some teams the larger teams that have four drivers on the grid and there's one team that only has one
0: and the the other thing to note is that indycar is just basically two constructors in terms of engine
1: there are only two engines it, it honda and the, chevy yep Those are your only choices. And Mm -hmm. that choice only occurred a few years ago. It used to be a same car, same engine series. This is driver versus driver Mm -hmm. um, series. So we are going to focus our indie coverage over the long haul on two drivers because we know them. Uh, Not personally yet. (laughs) Um, But we know them from F1. Um, My beloved Max, Max Chilton who races for Chip Ganassi Racing. Yep. And the uh, American driver from F1 last year that raced for Manor, sort of, um, Alexander Rossi. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Max is in the number eight Gallagher Chip Ganassi Racing car uh, who qualified in 17th yesterday and uh, has come out and said that he's not particularly thrilled with his IndyCar debut.
1: Well, No. But, as the announcers said, you know, it's trial by fire for IndyCar qualifying, Mm -hmm. and they fully expected both Rossi and Chilton to really catch on and do very well. Great things are expected from both of them.
0: Now, uh, Alexander Rossi is in the number 98 Castro Edge Curb, and he qualified in 19th. So, uh, yeah... From
1: their F1 days, they are used to holding down the back end of the grid.
0: Well, see, that was the thing I was going to mention, is that they're both a good one second off the pole position time set by Will Power, who will not actually be driving in pole this week.
1: He will not be. Apparently, he had he came to the weekend with some inner ear issues and had a crash in practice on Friday. Um, this morning, he is being tested for a concussion. He was... Um, Bit dizzy during qualifying, despite the fact that he was lapping his own best record <laughs> uh, three separate times in qualifying.
0: Yeah, he was two tenths of a second faster than uh, Simon Pagino, who qualified second.
1: Yeah, he had an amazing quality quali- uh, yesterday. So it's sad that he's not part of the race today. However, we all know how dangerous it is to drive with a concussion. Yeah. And this unlike last year's was year, not the wind. It was not the wind. <laughs> um this unlike last year's Fernando Alonso concussion discussion, we are not having the is he or is he not concussed.
0: Yeah, we're not there yet.
1: Um so overall, a couple of other little nuances to note about IndyCar and then we will stop our IndyCar coverage to focus fully and wholly on F1. Um, one of the big things that I noticed yesterday when we were watching is there are no team-colored cars. No. Um, everybody's car is, has paint jobs based on their own uh, sponsorships.
0: Well, with the exception of uh, the ABC Supply A.J. Fort Foyt racing cars. Correct. Both the, the 41 and the 14 car, um, those two are running matching liveries. Everybody else is a different one.
1: Yes, there is, however, a small difference in their liveries. Uh, Panasonic uh, is a uh, <coughs> sponsor of Takuma Sato. Sato.
0: Takuma Sato.
1: See? Takuma Sato. Said exactly that way. <laughs> um, they are not a sponsor of Jack Hawksworth. Um. Anyway, so did we mention that Rossi drives for Andretti Racing?
0: No, you just did. Excellent. <laughs> now
1: I have hit all the bullet points I wanted to hit. Um. And as a side, random note: Did you know that David Letterman's a sponsor of the sport? Actually, a team owner.
0: I was unaware of that.
1: He is actually a partial team owner of Rahal Letterman Ray Hall. See, um, Lagan Racing team. Apparently, longtime racing fan of Indy.
0: Okay. Just and and it's Laniganry. Ray Ray Hall Letterman Laniganry. There is an I there. You're gonna have to get this sorted before we go out to Mid Ohio, otherwise it's I've, got be bad. Yeah. I've got time. I've got
1: time, and let's just face it: I can pronounce the important name that I need to pronounce. Oh, is that
0: it? It's not hard to say, Max. Is that <laughs> that your your point?
1: That is exactly my point. Oh, and where did our favorite driver, um, who we have a picture of and a signature for, Juan Pablo Montoya,
0: qualify? Um, He qualified fourth in the number two car for Verizon Team Penske. And as a matter of fact, the top four positions are all held by Team Penske cars.
1: Yes. Now, one of the things that was interesting in the qualifying is Quali 1 is divided into two groups, and it's a blind draw. Mm -hmm. They were mentioning on the coverage that Team Penske, who is a very top, powerful team happened to to draw entirely group two so if you look at the times of the bottom end of the grid you will see that you know they only take the top six out of that qualifying Mm -hmm. you'll see that some of those people that were in group two didn't make it but might be slower than some of the ones that didn't make it out Mm -hmm. of might be faster than some of the ones that didn't make it out of q1 of the group one That's a little nuance that I find interesting. Yeah. Anyway, now I shall turn it over to all Formula One
0: all the time. All righty. Off to our Formula One coverage. And this is something that at least where we were sitting, we were very interested to know how this was going to shake out. Um, We expected this announcement, I think, last month, and it finally happened now. But the UK's Channel 4 has announced their broadcasting team. And um, I believe most of England's involved. I was going to say, <laughs> it is a huge team. This team is bigger than the new Top Gear team.
1: Wow. Which I didn't
0: think was possible.
1: And, and what happened to the phone call to me or you? Yeah. I, I thought surely we would get invited given the fact that, you know, everybody, everybody else.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we already knew that David Cothard was going to be part of the team. Um, He will be joined in the commentary box by Ben Edwards, which is fantastic. That is a great combination. Um, Love,
1: love, love. Thumbs up, Channel 4, you are a winner already.
0: Yep. Now, who else will be joining them? Mark Weber will be joining
1: them. Ah.
0: Alan Prost will be joining (laughs) them. UK F1 broadcasting legends, the only way to describe him, Murray Walker will be coming back to join them.
1: I think that's on his birth certificate.
0: <laughs> it may be. <laughs> um, in addition to that, Susie Wolfe will be uh, helping to uh, provide analysts. Lewis Hamilton's brother and ex-BBC commentator, Nick Walker. Nick Walker? Or Excuse me. Um, Nick Nick Hamilton. I was going to say, did I, he suddenly I, I get, get adopted by no, Murray? looked at the wrong paragraph there. No, <laughs> Nick Hamilton will be joining the bunch, um, as well as Eddie Jordan, who will be combining uh, the role with his Top Gear duties. Um, Ex-HRT driver Karun Chandhook and Lee McKenzie will be picked pit lane reporters while ex-williams driver Bruno Senna will also attend selected races and the whole thing will be brought together by unknown in the Americas um former t4 and x-factor USA host Steve Jones wow now to be clear this entire plane load of people will not be at every race
1: No. I gotta split that up.
0: It appears that the only ones who will be at every race is David Cothard, Ben Edwards, and um, Steve Jones. Everybody else will be rotating in for bits and pieces. And Eddie Jordan wasn't necessarily at every race, and obviously now he's not going to be because he's got another gig. Um, but Mark Webber was apparently unwilling to commit to the full season, mm. um, and he probably couldn't either because you know he is still actively racing in WEC.
1: I was going to say, he's got his own schedule to meet, and how would he ever handle the Le Mans race that's also during Baku? Yeah. yeah. Would he have to commentate from his car?
0: Possibly.
1: Oh, that would be cool. Now we're going to throw it to Mark in his car at yeah. Le Mans.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I'm guessing that weekend in particular there will not be a Mark Webber. But uh, we don't know exactly who will be participating in how many events. Um, and Murray Walker, his role... He's not going to be commentating, and he probably will not be at the tracks. He will be doing what has been described as special bespoke interviews.
2: Yes.
1: No, I think that's awesome. I'm really excited about the fact that they've got a lot of drivers in their lineup. Mm -hmm. I'm very much hoping that they have sorted out, you know, like dividing up the drivers to each of these races. I mean, I know Cothard is a, a driver, and he'll be at all of them. But the very thought that you could have a Mark, a Bruno Senna, um, the guy from HRT, who I can't remember his name. um, But people that have had experience on the track bring a lot of color and extra information to the coverage, which sadly, I think NBC Sports, while they have a driver, he's so out of touch with modern f one that I don't think that he brings what a newer— I mean, we watched Senna Race.
0: There's one other key piece that David Hobbs does not bring. He's in the—yes, stu- studio. he was a driver, and he was a Formula One driver for a short period, but he is in a studio several thousand miles away, as opposed to the drivers that BBC brought in and Sky brings in and Channel 4 bring in, that they are at— the track so not only are they recent drivers but they're recent drivers at the track which means that the drivers who are currently driving interact with them and interact with them completely different than any other member of the press because they've got these relationships already david hobbs can't doesn't have that
1: right you even see that with a damon hill in the sky Mm -hmm. sports uh coverage they really can get in there i mean I don't think any other commentator could get away with what David Cothard said last year to um, the Eric Boulier when he blew him off and well, yeah. walked it down the grid.
0: Not just that though, but you've got folks like Eddie Jordan and, and for them to bring it back it, bring Eddie back is a coup in its own right because as a former team owner who has a relationship, and and at least has, whether he likes him or not, I don't know, but has the respect of Bernie Eccleston. Because Bernie will meet with him, and Bernie will say things to Eddie that he will not say to anybody else.
1: Exactly. And he has insight into Bernie that nobody else has. I mean, that's the really cool thing about this lineup. I mean, yes, large, most of England, but... (laughs) It's got a lot of depth to people that can really look into how Formula One is going and working today. Exactly. Modern Formula One.
0: So as for other people's futures, who we at least are interested in, Susie Perry will be returning to the airwaves but probably not in a position that anybody in the U.S. will get to see her. She is returning to her motorsports roots, and will return to presenting MotoGP on, on UK television with BT Sport.
1: Oh, oh! You mentioned uh, Susie Perry. I wanted to make one comment about the uh, Channel Four lineup with Susie Wolf. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to go with the Susies here. <clears throat> Are you like me, looking forward to when Susie Wolf gets to interview
0: Toto? That could be very cool.
1: That is what I want to see so badly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll see if that actually happens. So moving on to some circuit news. I'm pointing it out just because I thought it was mildly interesting. I am not reading any undertones or context into it, despite what a lot of other sites have done. Um, Charlie Whiting was out at Watkins Glen. Oh, um, he goes out there every few years for a circuit inspection. Uh, this year it happened to, to coincide with resurfacing work that the venue had recently completing, completed. Um, speaking to local television stations, Charlie said that he was delighted with the efforts that had been made, and that he says that uh, he's really impressed with the work that's been done. It's been done to a very high standard, and he has called, uh, he has called the, tr- the circuit a wonderful circuit for F1. Now, the track did host the USGP for about 20 years, from 1961 to 1980. And this visit happened just before we found out what the future was in Austin. Ah. So a lot of people have read into this and thought that, ooh, maybe, maybe F1 will go back to, to Watkins Glen. I don't think that's the case. I just don't. I, I don't know if the track is actually—as much as Charlie is speaking highly about I don't know if the track holds the, the required safety certifications anymore. But the other thing that I think would—as much as there has been talk about bringing a second race to the U.S., I don't think Watkins Glen would hold it because of where Watkins Glen is. One of the things that Watkins Glen got dinged on when it was hosting the track—or hosting races is that there's not a lot around it. It's a beautiful area. It's a nice track. Corning is a half hour away. But in terms of hotels and lodging and whatever for the teams, and I know NASCAR goes out there and has a big event there, there's not a lot. I mean, Buffalo's three hours away. It's the closest major city. That I mean, that puts it in the same category as the old career race where people complained that there was nowhere anywhere nearby to stay, There was no lodging. There were no decent hotels. There was no decent anything out there. It was the middle of nowhere.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And Corning can't handle the volume of a race. There would be very, very spread out in order to pull that off. So I don't know. Right. I don't I don't think as much as it would be cool to have a Formula One race within five hours of where we live. And granted, Montreal is about the same, but still. I don't think that it would be as big of a draw and nearly as successful as Montreal is.
1: I think you're right. I mean, lodging alone is an, an issue. You not just have you don't just have to lodge the teams, which can take over full hotels. Mm-hmm. And in Korea, they lodged in uh, trailers and you know buildings the, around the track. Most
0: of the hotels around the track in Korea were the um, hotels that rented by the hour.
1: Yes. Um, so anyway, not only do you have to lodge the teams, you have to lodge the fans. And mm-hmm. if you think about that number of fans, I mean, eighty to a hundred thousand people show up at during the race weekend. Mm-hmm. If you get that number of people, figure you've got to have accessible forty 000 to fifty thousand hotel rooms.
0: Yeah, quite possibly, and. I think the only place that they could pull—well, they would have to have people staying as far off as Buffalo and Binghamton and and some of the other larger cities in upstate New York. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that that becomes the problem.
0: And also, I mean, we've been out to Watkins Glen. The road out to Watkins Glen from the interstate is a two-lane road. Could you imagine the crush of people trying to get in and out of Watkins Glen, the village? Because it's a it's a little village on that two-lane road.
1: I can't imagine. Also, I've never been there. Yeah,
0: you have. No. Yes, because we went to Watkins Glen State Park in the gorge.
1: I was there, but I wasn't at the track.
0: Yeah, the track is like just up the hill from the gorge. If you've been to the Gorge, you've been close enough to the track that you know what it's like to get in and out of Watkins Glen. Oh, okay. My point. (laughs) On other track news, and of course, what what really just blows me away is that most of the headlines that I saw weren't so much that the U.S. Grand Prix has been confirmed and that it will happen. Oh, no. It was that Taylor Taylor Swift is headlining the concert that night. Oh, outstanding. Really? Not so much on the track. No. It, it, it's that it there's gonna be a Taylor Swift concert and oh, by the way, leading up to the concert is is part of the pre the pre concert entertainment, there's gonna be an F one race.
1: Oh. Okay. <laughs> Can I ask the obvious question here? I'm not entirely sure that the Taylor Swift fan base is anything close to the F one fan base.
0: I don't know.
1: I mean, are teenage I mean, girls have, really into F1?
0: But but they have had a lot of these pop acts have their headline concerts immediately following races. Now, Katy Perry, I think, did Singapore last year. They had Cy. Um, uh, do a concert after Korea one year. I mean, there has been these bubblegum pop stars many times doing concerts immediately after a race.
1: Well, you know, I know Eddie Jordan's band has played.
0: Well, he he plays in the like Monaco apparently in the nightclubs the the all all through the weekend. Eddie Jordan's band plays. Hey, but I don't think that they they are like the headline act at any (laughs) racetrack
1: well you know you never know some of the smaller ones
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah austria
1: (laughs) yeah the ones that nobody goes to
0: (laughs) so yes there will in fact be a uh, u.s grand prix in austin this year at circuit of the americas apparently what they managed to do was get the valuation of the property cut which lowered their tax rate
1: which ah. is how they've
0: been able to pull this off.
1: Well, that and adding a Taylor Swift concert, I'm sure, helped. I
0: Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> Bobby Epstein, who promotes the race, is jumping up and down over, hey, we're going to sell out because we got Taylor Swift. I don't know.
1: He does know that, that's, that just because her name is Swift, it doesn't mean that she has anything to do with racing, right?
0: <laughs> I don't think that really matters.
1: Okay, just check.
0: So in other news... Other names little business of F1. Um, one of the odd relationships that has been going on for several years, and even more so when oh his wife was a test and development driver, was that Toto Wolff was a large shareholder in Williams. Correct. Um, and it stems from when he had a leadership role at the team before he moved over to Mercedes. But even after moving over to Mercedes, he still held um, – Around five percent of the sh- of the outstanding shares in the company.
1: I thought he got rid of those when Susie became their test and development driver.
0: No, he he re- she, well, she became test and development driver while he still had a leadership role in Williams before he would even moved to Mercedes, which there were some allegations as to nepotism and around her hiring over that, despite his claims that that was not the case. Got it. Um. He has since sold off those shares this year. Um, He no longer has any kind of a stake within Williams. Um, His remaining shares were bought by U.S. businessman Brad Hollinger, whose stake now rises to 15%. Oh, okay. Um, It does not look like Mr. Hollinger is going to take a leadership role. And from what it sounds like, it's not exactly clear that the team wants him to take a leadership role in the team. Okay. So, but he now has that, and of course, if you're interested in becoming a shareholder in Williams F1, if you can figure out how to purchase shares on the Frankfurt for, bleh, on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange, they are listed there. Got it. Mercedes has also announced that they are easing back on their team order restrictions for this year, and they will be allowing. Lewis and Nico to race more freely.
1: And that will last as long as they don't take each other out.
0: Well, what Toto says is that um, they've reduced the restrictions on the driver's battle. Um, they claim that that this is you know, somewhat coincides with the changes in uh, the radio rules. Um, but he also says that he doesn't think that relaxing these rooms will br- these rules will bring, Ferrari any closer. He says they're reducing the rules because they have gotten more comfortable in working with, or or Lewis and Nico have gotten more comfortable in working with each other. There's great respect among the individuals. I don't feel it will be different than it has been in in the last years. Now, he says that the regulations help because there is much less engineering input into the car and a driver, but that's the big thing. He says that because they've been driving together, they're going to respect each other more now, up until the point that they hit each other. Mm Mm-hmm. Or one of them gets ticked off because somebody else got pulled in, even though they might be on different strategies. Right. So, yeah, we'll see how this works. I'm not sure that they're going to, as they put it, leave it up to the two to fight on the track. Okay. I I, I don't think
1: it's that. If that brings us exciting racing,
0: awesome. So, Formula, uh, excuse me, Force India... Has announced that uh, they are intending to bring major upgrades to the car in both Bahrain and the Spanish Grand Prix. They said they have, they are, they had tested the parts in uh, last week's testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some refinement that they want to do, but they believe the parts will be better, and there will be some major aero upgrades for both Bahrain and and, and Spain will actually include uh, suspension upgrades as well. Nice. They think should improve them greatly, and they did run fairly strong. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, Sauber continues to struggle Aww. Uh Word came out The beginning of the week That uh, they missed paydays For several employees um, It's unclear whether they just didn't pay Some of their folks Or they didn't pay the full amount um, However By the end of the week They said that uh, they had gotten everything sorted out All the back pay has been dealt with And everybody has the money that they are owed Uh, one of the things that were said is that they are still dealing with apparently a $15 million uh, penalty from their multiple drivers and two-seat issues. Mm. Yeah.
1: Well, that's going to cause a cash flow problem.
0: Yeah, we'll see if they, they get this sorted out. They also claim that they are in final negotiations for a title sponsor. Oh, nice. That could clear everything up. We don't know who they're talking to or what that what that's going to bring. Um, Banco de Brazil is a big sponsor coming with uh, Felipe Nasser, but apparently not a title sponsor. So we'll see how that shakes out. Renault has come forward and said that they are surprised by the f- performance of their RS-16 car in testing. Um, I, uh, given how this played out, and how much time that they had, and what they have inherited, and what they're doing. I would say that just the fact that the car made it around the track would be surprising, but Renault says a little more than that.
1: Oh, really? They're happier <laughs> than just that it turned on?
0: <laughs> well, you know, if, if you look at what happened with Red Bull last year, and, you know, the rather spectacular engine explosions that they suffered on several occasions, it didn't happen at practice for the Renault teams. Hey! So... In in that case, yes, it is surprising. The team has said that there is a—they feel that there is a possibility that they actually could sneak in and grab a couple of points in Australia. Oh, nice. Now, again, they're only talking, like, bottom of the top ten here. You know, they don't want to go crazy. They're not talking podiums, unlike some folks. (laughs) (laughs) But they they do think it's possible that they could get a couple of points. And honestly, this is about the time that a lot of these teams that are are going to end up towards the back really are shooting to get some points. Mm-hmm. You know, when the big teams that have done major engineering changes are struggling, that's the chance for some of these other teams to sneak in there and get some points.
1: It's definitely a good time to you know, if you're at the top of your game when others are not quite at the top of theirs, you have the ability to be better than you expect, and then you will shake out towards the end of the
0: yeah. year. Now, we have more Alexander Rossi news. Now, despite how everybody has, has billed this, and I don't think this is correct, it has been billed that Alexander Rossi, as a thanks to an announcement this week, is the first driver to ever race in both Formula One and IndyCar at the same time. But I don't think that that's correct because all that has happened is that Manor has announced that Alexander Rossi is their um, official reserve driver for the year. Mm -hmm. Now, he will be at some of the events. Actually, he'll be attending 11... um, races this year but as a reserve driver does not necessarily mean that you get to drive the car correct you're doing other duties during the weekend so that's that's why i kind of question billing him as the first driver to race in both now there is a rumor floating around that um we could see him drive in austin Really? There is that talk going. There has also been some talk because apparently Ryu Harianto, he comes with money. He doesn't come with much of a record. And his performance in um, in testing last week and the week before was not exactly impressive. Ooh. You know, it, that, that whole issue of keeping the car between the white lines and not hitting stuff, he struggled with that. So there are some theories that if his performance does not turn around and turn around quickly, um, his 10 million euros or is his 10 million pounds that he brings um, could be considered not worth enough.
1: Ah.
0: So we'll keep an eye on it. Again, that's rumor and speculation. We don't know how that's going to shake out.
1: Has Rossi been confirmed for Mid-Ohio?
0: He Well, he, my understanding is he has a seat with the team for the year.
1: But I know that they can trade people out, so I they, don't
0: know. They can, so I don't know.
1: Well, we shall see. Because if he's at Mid-Ohio, we can track him down too.
0: That's the plan.
1: Because I, I can say Alexander Rossi as much as I can say Max Chilton.
0: Excellent. I don't need to be
1: able to say some of the other names. As
0: long as you don't get him confused with Valentino Rossi, who races a MotoGP.
1: I've never heard of him, so I'm not worried about that. Excellent.
0: <laughs> so uh, Max gave an interview this year. The big headline piece here. He was we're talking
1: asked, about Verstappen. Yes, not Max Schilt.
0: Verstappen. I'm sorry, Max Verstappen gave an interview this. Max Chilton gave a few interviews too, but um, the big thing that came out of this is that you know he was asked about his future and where he wanted to go and what he wanted to do and, and how he wanted that to shake out. Um, and Max said that, you know, it's possible that he could do a third year at Toro Rosso for 2017, but that is not his goal. Hmm. Which ties in very interesting to some comments that Claire Williams made. Uh, well, an observation, prediction for this year that Claire Williams made. Your girlfriend. Um, yeah. She just doesn't know it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's probably a good thing.
0: Yeah, well, okay. Anyway, um... Looking at the state of drivers' contracts this year, she predicts that silly season will be extremely interesting and extremely exciting this year because, as it turns out, about 75% of the drivers on the grid have contracts that are up for renewal this year. Uh So we're talking not just both of her drivers, which she says that Williams will not make a decision on until the summer, Nico Rosberg's contract is up. Kimi Raikkonen is sitting on an extension. Jensen Button is sitting on an extension. Um, The Toro Rosso boys, I believe, are on one-year contracts. Obviously, the Manor cars are on one-year contracts. The Force India cars, I believe, are on one-year contracts. Haas? We don't know. Hmm. Haas, Sauber. But there's also some talk about over at Haas... Um, there's no doubt that um that Roman Grosjean will be able to hold on to a seat if he wants it. There is question about Jean-Luc Palmer, though, keeping a seat. Mm. Again, he's another one who has been tagged that if he doesn't perform and perform quickly, could be out of a seat before the end of the season. Wow. Yeah.
1: They're taking no prisoners on this plan. Yeah. So Magnuson,
0: however, you know, everyone's confident that he's not going anywhere.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but he's got F1 experience.
0: Yes. So yeah, that that's where we're we're looking there. On to McLaren. Podiums Fernan- in Australia? No, actually, we, we've got um some comments from Fernando. The, these actually are realistic. Um, as he, he has said, um, they have made a huge step in reliability. Yay. A huge step, not a huge step. A huge step. There's a difference. Okay. <laughs> you know, one is, one is real and the other is imaginary. Okay. But, um, and from what we've seen, they, they most definitely have. I mean, the, the car got in significantly more, more consecutive running than we have seen McLaren do in the last year performance isn't there yet okay so we'll, we'll see how that shakes out it, it does sound like neither driver is still particularly happy I think when it comes to McLaren, we've got to take a wait-and-see and see see what comes out in Australia. Because one of the things that McLaren has said is that not all of the aero bits that they were working on for the car were done by last week's test in Barcelona. And they were shooting to have them finished for Australia. Ah. And... Given that these are arrow bits, they could make a huge difference in how the car handles and how it performs. So I think really we've got to withhold some judgment there. Now, that being said, I don't see them being able to put a car any higher than 5th this season. Maybe 4th if the the stars align properly and the weather goes bad and somebody blows up, which is possible. But I, I think that they're going to be fighting for fifth. Interesting. That's 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 what I say. So let's talk about the new qualifying. Okay. So first off, um, Lewis has come out and he, he, Lewis has been rather vocal the last week. I mean, we, we heard about his complaints about um, the Halo last week. Um, this week, he has said that you know he, he's not real thrilled with the halo or, for that matter, the the qualifying. He says he enjoyed qualifying the way it was, but what he also says is what's most important is how the fans feel about it. So he thinks that before anybody reacts or does anything, to really let the fans see it and judge as to whether or not they like it. Okay. So, yeah. Now, what we do know, actually, before we even get there, there were some other comments from several drivers, including Nico Rosberg, that the drivers need to be more involved. The FIA and FOM need to consult the drivers more and get the drivers more involved in the decision-making process and talk to them. Which sounds well and good. you know. It makes it sound like that these decisions are being made and, and these quote-unquote brilliant ideas are coming forward without any input from the drivers. Is that real? Well, the reality is it's partially correct. Okay. Yes, the drivers really haven't been had much input, but it's not really the FIA and FOM's fault.
1: It's their teams.
0: No, it's not even that. See, apparently the strategy group um the drivers are supposed to be represented on the strategy group. Are they? Kind of. They don't seem to show up very often. Oh. As with many of these other meetings where these things have been discussed, the driver's attendance, because there is a position available for at least one driver, if not multiple drivers. Most recently, um, the GPDA, the Grand Prix Drivers Association, was invited to a meeting in Monaco on January 21st to discuss several issues all of the drivers who were members of the Grand Prix Drivers Association, which is basically the entire, dri- the entire grid, were invited. Only Felipe Massa and Nico Rosberg bothered to show up. Now, the meeting was in Monaco.
1: Where L- most of them live.
0: Yeah. And they couldn't be bothered to show up. Okay. And then they turn around and say, well, you're not consulting us on this. Okay. Charlie Whiting has has invited drivers to dinner to discuss issues. Some drivers show up. Some some drivers don't. There are apparently multiple opportunities for the drivers to get their views across. They just don't seem to bother to show up. Oh.
1: So you don't really get to. It's like voting. If you don't vote, you don't get to complain. Kind of.
0: Um, Okay, so back to rules and rules changes.
1: Oh, boy, does this sound like the exciting portion of today's...
0: Well, you know, as we roll in, one of the the changes that will be most noticeable is that um, there are further restrictions going into place regarding what can be passed to the drivers over the radio. This is one of those... Honestly, I think it's a solution in search of a problem or it's in solution a solution in search of something that really wasn't a problem but people were whining about it so that's why they felt the need to deal, to deal with it you know th- this complaint that drivers were getting coaching and guidance from the pit wall and not driving on their own is where this comes from so what teams will be re- reduced to uh, pass over the radio Um they'll be able to pass along indication of critical problem with the car like a puncture warning or damage, uh, indication of a problem with a competitor's car, instruction to enter the pit lane in order to fix or retire the car, of wet track oil or debris, marshal information, instructions to swap positions with other drivers, acknowledgement that a driver message has been heard, uh, lap time detail, lap time detail of a competitor, gaps to a competitor, our favorite push hard now, push now, or you will be racing XX or similar, Um, help with warning of traffic during a practice session or race, Uh, giving the gaps between cars and qualifying so as to better position a car for a clear lap, tire choice at the pit stop, number of laps a competitor has done on a set tires during a race, tire specification of a competitor, information concerning a competitor's likely race strategy, Uh, information on safety car window, Uh, Driving breaches by team driver or competitors. Notification of DRS enabled or disabled or failures. Change of front wing position at next pit stop. Oil transfer. When to enter the pits. Reminders of track limits, specifically when entering or leaving the pits. um, Or just actually track limits in general. Information concerning damage to the car. Messages from race control. Number of laps remaining. Test sequence information during practice sessions, um, weather information, and instructions regarding driver defaults for the sole purpose of mitigating loss of function of a sensor, actuator, or controller. That's it. Okay. (laughs) So, Nico, you know, asking for guidance and stuff like that isn't going to happen.
1: I'm sure he'll still ask they just can't answer.
0: Yeah. Now, these restrictions apparently apply not just to the radio communications but to the pit boards. Because, you know, in a minute and 10 seconds, like they had a chance to go, "Hey, you're uh, breaking too early in a turn 4 and put that on a pit board and flash that out there so the driver can figure it out and digest it before they get to oh, turn 7." <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm still convinced that there are things that happen within the teams that they are going to turn around and go, you know, tire pressure in the back right is low, is reading low. How's it right, you know, how's it feel to you is gonna mean you're breaking too late. Yeah. I'm convinced of it.
0: Yeah. There's there's gonna be codes of some sort that's going around and it's whether or not anybody picks up on it.
1: Or, you know... Multi-21. Multi-21. um, Or the, uh, you know, the jack guy is going to be, you know, hand signal across the... in the pit stop, and, you know, he's going to tug on his... pat his helmet or something, and it's going to be, um, you know, break earlier.
0: Yeah. So, the changes to qualifying... Mm-hmm. we were crossing our fingers that this would get shot down, this stupid idea would get shot down. That has not happened.
1: It's double-dobby all over again.
0: We're, well, no, we're not quite there. We're, we're I mean, this isn't double points. I, I, I don't think this will have nearly the kind of impact that double points had. However, we have gotten a little more information as to what happened and why it had come down the way it did and how it did, as well as some insight into how Formula One is managed. Okay. So it turns out that actually what was originally pitched and what was originally thought to do with qualifying was not anything even remotely resembling what we're seeing now. What was proposed was actually proposed as far back as the fall during a race of champions, um, which was just after the season had, had ended, what they were pitching was a basically a one-hour sprint race. Oh. With the idea being that grid positions on set, you wouldn't have the qualifying session that we normally had. Um, grid positions would be set for this one-hour sprint race, which would happen on Saturday at the normal time that qualifying would be run, but those grid positions would be set based on what the standings were at the end of free practice three making Free Practice 3 a little more important. Also, the thought being that by doing that, they would draw more fans to the track earlier so that they'd pay attention to Free Practice 3 because it now it has an impact. Right. <clears throat> so then the thought was you have your sprint race to set your qualifying piece. That would then translate over into your Sunday race, and that would be the grid based on the standings from that one-hour sprint race. Okay. That's what, what was floated and floated as far back as that. And Bernie was all over this idea. Um, apparently, it was brought up again in January at the strategy group meeting, at, at one of the early J- January strategy group meetings, where one of the team bosses, and we don't know who it was, but one of them sit, um, summed up what happened, was that they looked at, at Bernie and said, and this is a quote now, Bernie We, the teams, will do what we're told to do. It should not be up to us to vote on qualifying. You should talk to your customers, such as TV broadcasters and race promoters, to see how they felt about the changes. So now we move on a little more, and this is where the plot gets thicker. Okay. The thought here is that Bernie took that to mean that if he wants this, he's going to get it. And because of that, He then had the leverage to turn around and give his interview three weeks ago to the Daily Mail that said Formula One is the worst it's ever been and he would not take his family to the races. This was deliberate. He then, after giving that, because the idea was you throw this pitch out, to the team, you know that the teams are going to go and, and, and buy on this idea of changing qualifying. Then you go to the media and you slam F1 in a state of F1, turn around, go to the next strategy group meeting and officially pitch the idea where the team bosses, as they've just said, would vote for it. And look, Bernie is once again saving F1. Mm. However, he did this, he, he made those comments before he talked to the broadcasters and to the promoters. And the problem was, especially for somebody like Channel 4, and apparently, and we haven't seen Sky's coverage as well, but part of the reason why Channel 4 willingly was, uh, or willingly accepted airing the races on Sunday commercial-free is because they were banking on using the breaks in sessions between qualifying For commercials.
1: And you can't do that with your sprint race. Exactly.
0: At that point, you lose all of those commercial breaks and you lose all of that revenue for a solid hour. Oh. And it was... The reaction that apparently Bernie got when he pushed this to – we don't know which broadcasters, but when he pushed this idea to some of the broadcasters was that apparently some of the broadcasters threatened to terminate their deals if this was done. (laughs) So now Bernie is in a jam because he has just come out and he has said Formula One is the worst it ever has been and he had this plan that he was ready to ride in on that white horse and save Formula One and is instead told by the broadcasters and promoters that if you do this, we're terminating contracts.
1: Ouch. So we're getting this weird qualifying because they still need the breaks in qualifying to run commercials.
0: But he still felt something needed to be done, especially since he backed himself into the corner yeah, in this, this Daily Mail interview. This is a saving move. In, in some some cases, it is. Now, we've got some more comments in a little bit on Bernie's current position on qualifying. Okay. There, there were some other issues that have also come up because apparently all of the, these discussions about what to do with qualifying and how to make it happen and... We're going to go with the knockout qualifying. All of that happened without Bernie actually going back to the folks who are responsible for the programming and the management and all of that other stuff at FOM to handle the graphics and all those – the tracking pieces and all of that stuff, which is where then after they had announced this idea, we then heard, well, we can't do it until Barcelona. That's three weeks. He may not have been told it was three weeks, but again, this was Bernie now trying to find a way to save face and delay – this qualifying that he really didn't want. Right. So it was now we could use the software because they did raise their hands and go, "Um, we, we're we not sure we can pull this off this quick. You know, you, you didn't tell us, man. What the hell? Okay. We now believe that they can, and, and apparently a lot of the folks who were within the motorsport software industry, when they heard that they couldn't do it in three weeks, they kind of laughed at them. And yeah, no, you can do this. This isn't that hard right um so that's being sorted out the other piece of insight that has come from this and it's something that it it's so confusing that we haven't completely understood it and if we don't understand it we're sure a lot of other people don't either and that is how the sport is actually governed okay where these rules flow and how it works and all of that stuff
1: oh please try to explain this so
0: so we are so we we've got to go back to about 2013. That's when the current governance process was introduced. And it's supposed to run until 2020. Now this plan was devised by Formula One management at a time when CVC Capital Partners, which is the investment firm that controls the commercial rights, because Bernie sold them, even though he runs the sport and is the promoter, he sold those rights to CVC and that was the whole lawsuits with the bribery and all that other crap. Um, but it, it was so that uh, CVC had planned at the time in 2012 2013 to float um, F-1 on the Singapore Stock Exchange. Now, unfortunately, because they aborted those plans, this whole thing's come back to bite everyone in the butt. Okay. Okay. Um, In place of what was known as the Concord Agreement, which was the original governance agreement, um, that was a document that between 1982 and 2012 outlined a procedural technical, and sporting obligations of the government governing body, the teams, and commercial interests, CVC f- subsidiary, Formula One management, FOM, entered into a series of bilateral agreements with the teams, four of whom are treated more equally than others. Okay. We know this. The sports governing body, the FIA, holds a separate agreement with FOM known as the Concord Implementation Agreement, but this document depends upon a Concord Agreement being in place, Which is not, despite the EU Commission's 2,000 approval of F1's government structures being conditional upon such an agreement. So the EU says that there is supposed to be a Concord Agreement, even though there is not one. Okay. Okay. The quartet of favorite teams, which is Ferrari, McLaren, Red Bull Racing, and Mercedes, sits on F1 Strategy Group, together with Williams, whose seat was granted on a heritage basis, and the top team not already represented, which is currently Force India. Okay. Okay. Each team has a single vote, with the FIA and FOM holding six apiece. The group is charged with devising strategies for the championship, with voting being on a simple majority basis. The other thing to mention at this point, this means that Haas, Sauber, Manor, and Renault don't have a seat. Exactly. They, okay. they have no representation at the strategy group. And, well, Toro Rosso, I guess, does through Red Bull. Um, therefore, the majority of independents, like I said, are not represented, making it unlikely that motions could favor them would be adopted. Hence the three-year arguing that we've had over cross-control. Because the big teams don't really care about it, and you get people like Christian Horner saying it's not our job to go and support the, the smaller teams. Correct. Um, the sporting regulations, meetings, and technical equivalents act in advisory capacities primarily to the strategy group. However, there's been no real cohesive strategy developed by the strategy group.
1: Okay. We haven't seen it. So they should exist. call them the non-strategy
0: group. Something like that. You know, they throw they throw stuff out there, they see what sticks and what doesn't, and they move on. There's no, I mean, there's no strategy that has come out of them. So now moving on, okay? Carried motions at the strategy group are escalated to the Formula One Commission. Now, this is a 26-seat body on which all teams, selected race promoters, engine and tire suppliers, as well as various technical and commercial partners are represented, as are the FIA and FOM. Bernie is president of this commission, and voting is on a 70% majority basis. The commission may not amend motions. It can only approve or reject agenda items as tabled. So, strategy group comes up with something, approves it, sends it up to the F-1 commission, which can either approve it, reject it, or table it.
1: Okay, so this is similar to the committee structure of our Congress, with the exception of the, once it hits the congressional floor um those bills can be amended and altered these would be saying you know this is an unalterable bill Mm -hmm. much like when something gets passed and goes to our president our president can't line item veto things or you know change it and say okay now i can sign this
0: so now the last piece okay motions from that are carried through the formula one commission are then forwarded to the world motorsport council which is a body of 27 members most of these members are essentially presidents or vice presidents of the various um national sporting or automotive associations okay okay um again the world motorsport council may only ratify or reject motions not amend them one exception to this there is one other member of the World Motorsport Council that is not one of these governing folks from a national sport group, and they have veto authority. Care to guess who that might be? Bernie? No. Starts with an F and ends with Ari. No. Ferrari is a member of of the World Motorsport Council, and has a veto over the entire process. So it can get all the way up to the World Motorsport Council, approved by the World Motorsport Council, and for Ferrari, even though they've got seats in all the other levels, at that point can go, yeah, no, we don't like that. Who thought that was a great idea? I, I, I don't understand what the point of that is
1: that is like saying that some random football team could make rules about american football
0: on their own now the the description the, their title on this and the position is held by Frant, francois cornelius um they are his title is President of the FIA Manufacturers Commission or the Ferrari SPA representative. Or that is the full name. It, it's not that he's either the president of the manu- or, or the representative. No, that is the full name of that position. President of the FIA Manufacturers Commission or the Ferrari SPA representative. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Vijay Malia, by the way, also has a seat on the World Motorsport Council. Now he represents India, Okay. but he has a seat on that commission,
1: but not veto power.
0: No, he is he is just a titular member. That's the word. I'm I'm just passing it along.
1: You just have waited all day to be able no. to use that <laughs> word. Um, okay, so. Let me just make sure I understand this. All ideas of how to handle the rules and regulations of Formula One are only ever actually debated and crafted in the strategy group. Correct. They are either... Advised
0: by the technical commissions of, of the various pieces.
1: But the other levels of approval are either a stamp of approval or a pure out-and-out rejection. Correct. Going through two levels more with the ultimate say to be handled by one of the very own teams that participate within Ferrari, within F1. Yes. And somebody thought that was a fair and sporting regulation concept? Well,
0: keep in mind one thing about, in particular, the World Motorsport Council. The World Motorsport Council governs more than just Formula 1.
1: I understand that. Does so, Ferrari have veto power against all things that come before?
0: My well- understanding from from the way this is written is that Ferrari has it for anything that comes in front of World Motorsport Council as the constructor whatever president.
1: The Beyond on- the fact that that's a conflict of interest in so very many ways, it really makes me hate Big Red even more.
0: The only thing I can think of, and, and this is the only reason why I could think that this could be remotely acceptable, is that could it be that Ferrari historically, in a way of promoting autosport and motorsport, because Ferrari has— um, Enzo Ferrari has said— that, you know, they, they they sell cars so that they can go race. So could it be that in order to facilitate and promote auto racing in general and, and motorsport in general, that Ferrari pays the FIA a few truckloads of money from that perspective of motorsport is good, we support motorsport. Motorsport is an, is a fundamental piece of Ferrari's existence. And as a result, this is how we encourage and build and promote motorsport as a sport is by subsidizing or funding or whatever the governing body for international motorsport.
1: I see your logic, and I wouldn't be surprised if there is not a funding piece of this, but you it does not hold well with my sense of abject fairness yeah. that the rule makers are also the participants in the sport, actively the participants in the sport. Now, it is entirely possible that I'm sitting here and judging this based on this idea of, you know, that would be like us giving our kid the right to make the rules in the house. <laughs> I mean, that's that's roughly what I'm thinking this would be yeah. similar to. And maybe perhaps instead that there is this Chinese wall between this guy that sits on the World Motorsport Council and all of the race teams within Ferrari.
0: Yeah, I doubt that.
1: Um they're one it,
0: big company. I, I don't think that's the case.
1: you know your your job is to benefit motorsport as a whole and not strictly come to it based on who's writing your paycheck. But I don't think that that's realistic. Yeah. but you know how do you how would you get someone to sit on that and be usable? if they don't have some sort of participation within the sport as a whole. Um, so I can see so many different pieces of this, but it seems to me that one team has way more power than they should. And we all know, you know, some are more equal than others, um, which, you know, causes wars sometimes when countries decide to think that way. Um but I think that we've got a situation where we've got teams have an unequal balance of power to start with. They mm-hmm. have an unequal balance of pay from the payout structure. Um, we're winding up with two, a two different series. People are competing in two different sports on the same grid in so very many ways.
0: To some extent, yeah. Now, I mean, that can be managed. I hate to tell you, but that can be managed. I mean, they, they do it in WEC where you've got three or four different classes of cars running on this. Now, they each get victory separately, but they're running the same race at the same time.
1: Well, I understand that, but I think that that's what F, F1 always tried to avoid, not yeah. Be a part of.
0: So, latest comments from Bernie. Oh, no. So. Bernie has now said, and he told, uh, told this to, I believe it was Sky Sports, that um, he's unsure about this year's qualifying changes. And now he's saying that he would have preferred to keep the 2015 format, but with race winners giving a time penalty. So basically, if you won the race the previous week, you might get three seconds added onto your qualifying time to bump you down the grid. That's what he's saying. that He, he would have preferred that. Except that from what it sounds like, from you know what we just discussed, which comes from, from, uh, from Autosport, Bernie's been driving this bus. And we know for a fact that Christian Horner has been driving the bus to change qualifying.
1: You know what this sounds like to me?
0: He's trying to save face.
1: Well, there's a lot of saving face going on. But you know what else it sounds like to me? Is it sounds like that four-year-old that wants something but doesn't exactly know what they want. I want it to change, but I don't know how. And so I'm going to float all of these ideas out there until something sticks up against the wall. And then when the popular opinion comes down against that, I'm going to change my mind because I wasn't actually that married to it to start with.
0: That's some of it. Some of it also, I think what we have seen here, is that more exhibition of... Bernie Eccleston is the evil genius. This was the, I'm going to manipulate things and I'm going to start laying stuff in the media because I know it's going to get press and I know it's going to get coverage and people are all going to get spun up because I said this. And then I'm going to pitch this, what he sees as the brilliant solution to all of our problems. Right. Only to find out that he would have had a full scale rebellion on his hands instead.
1: His brilliant solution wasn't well thought out. Yeah. Because it didn't address what the broadcasters needed. Now, had he realized that that was going to be their objection point and come up with an answer to the objection point, when he pitched it, I think he might have had a different situation.
0: Yeah, probably. But But he he, didn't
1: think through all the scenarios.
0: Well, I don't think that he realized... He, well, he probably wasn't privy to exactly how Channel 4 or any of the other broadcasters who air commercials were—how they monetized that broadcast, how they come up with the money to pay his fees. And as a result, he didn't see that coming.
1: Which makes him less genius and more evil. Yeah. Okay.
0: So— with the start of the F1 season next week, we're going to now make a tradition because we started last year. It's the second annual. Yes. We're going to come provide for you our predictions on the year. We, we've got our list of questions and, and what we're predicting. Mm-hmm. Um, once we do that, they will get locked away in the super secret cloud based vault. Because, you know, <laughs> if it's in a cloud, it must be secure, right? Isn't that, <laughs> is that what they tell us? It will get locked away into the cloud vault for review at the end of the season to how we did. But we're going to mix it up a little bit.
1: We're going to mix it up.
0: Instead of just our position or our predictions, we're going to bring in a third person. A third person? So for that, we are going to retrieve the boy. Okay, so the first question, our first prediction, obviously it's probably, well, it is the the most obvious one we've got to go with. Who do you think will win the driver's championship this year? Trisha? Lewis,
1: Lewis Hamilton.
0: Okay, so Trisha says Lewis. I agree as well. I, I, I've gone back and forth as to whether or not that, that Nico's going to make it. I, I don't know if he will. Where I think there's going to be a fight is I think it's going to be uh, Seb.
1: I think it's going to be a, a Lewis-Seb battle, quite frankly. But I think Lewis will take it just because I don't think Ferrari's quite got the
2: pace yet.
1: Boy, and what do you think?
2: I think Seb's going to win.
0: The Vettel fan speaks. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, go ahead.
2: And I think it's because Ferrari did like a lots of laps during them tests. So I think they got enough laps on the car to get get knowledge of it. Mercedes, they just were playing miles on the car. They okay. didn't care about like speed and went in during like testing, Ferrari was saying the best times.
0: righty. Well, based on that constructors championship. Trisha? It's
1: gotta be Mercedes. Hands down Mercedes, Mercedes,
2: Mercedes.
0: Yeah, I, I, I have no doubt that it's Mercedes this year as well. And David?
2: Mercedes.
0: Oh, So we are unanimous in the Mercedes this year for the Constructors. All right. So now we start getting a little more difficult. Oh, no. Okay. Who will end up higher in the Constructors' Championship? McLaren, Haas, or Renault? Haas.
1: My thought process is that Haas is basically a Ferrari junior team taking everything that they can possibly take to be a Ferrari. And so, I believe that they will come up higher than Renault, which we have, we, you know, Mary and I have explody engines. And um, who was your other
0: one on your list? McLaren.
1: McLaren. I'm sorry. I don't think that they're going to have it. They don't have the pace yet. They have better reliability. But, you know, that's like better reliability over none.
0: I'm thinking Renault.
1: You think Renault.
0: And then it's i'm thinking mclaren i think mclaren's gonna sort enough out that they can get ahead of haas i'm not sure that haas has the chassis and the arrow mm. to get that competitive so that's my thought okay david
2: i'm thinking it is i agree with dad i think i'm thinking it's gonna be um Renault.
0: okay so next question this is a should be a relatively easy one. Kimi Räikkönen, will he retire at the end of this year? Yes, I think it's a yes.
2: I think it's a no.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Oh, but by retire, do you mean retire from motorsport completely, or no, just from F- just I- from Formula One? Okay, yes.
0: Just from Formula One. Okay, another hard one. Who will end up hiring in the constructors? Red Bull. Or Renault? I remember.
1: Same engine. Yeah. Well, essentially the same engine. Although Red Bull is a tag Heuer engine made by Renault. Um, I think that Red Bull will come out on top. And my logic here is that engines don't necessarily make all of the car perfectly fast. And Red Bull has always had superior um, arrow to most of the cars on the grid
0: i'm going with red bull for two reasons one is because renault already came out this season and said that when, when they did the car launch in, in the end of january and said that they were going to be supplying the exact same engine that they would be running to red bull it just wouldn't have the label on it mm-hmm. so that means in theory engine wise they should be competing at a level playing field However, where I think Renault is going to be at a disadvantage is the fact that they are taking, with a minimal amount of time, they're adapting a car that was built for a Mercedes engine, and they're slapping, they're modifying it to get that Renault engine in there. Be, that's where I think that they're going to have the weakness. Red Bull, at least, has that advantage of they've been running this engine, they've already designed the car around the engine, and it's just a matter of, cleaning up the arrow and everything else so if they are running like for like like Renault says I think Re- I think Red Bull is going to win Red Bull another universal one alright okay next question who will score more points Daniel Kvyat or Max Verstappen Max I go back and forth on this one. This is a hard one because in the beginning of the season, I think Max has definitely got the advantage. It's whether or not that development continues over at Red Bull and how it shakes out. So I think I'm going to go with Max also just because I think he's going to be able to gain enough in the beginning of the season that he's going to have a stronger year.
1: I think the only thing that's going to hold Max um, possibly back is the non-developed Ferrari engine. Yeah. It's last year's non, uh, and there's nearly no development to that engine. So his best option <coughs> will be as early in the season as humanly possible. Towards the end, we may see um, Kvyat start to pick up some extra points, but I think Max will get ahead of him.
0: I, I think you'll start seeing that slide around Barcelona. Once, once they get back from their flyaway races and start doing upgrades, I think that's where you really see Toro Rosso start to slide back. So I think that's where it's going to be really interesting is up until Barcelona.
2: I'm going with Daniel Kvyat just to be different.
1: Ah.
0: <laughs> All right. Will Honda sign a second team this year?
1: I wish the question was, should Honda sign a second team? (laughs) Um, Well, that's
0: easy. They need to. But will they?
1: I think they will not. Because I don't believe that there will be a team available for them to sign.
0: I say no also mainly because I don't think that they're going to do enough to attract a team. I think if a team wanted to move, they could. I don't think they're going to be able to. though.
2: I think... It's gonna be a no as well, mainly because same reason as dad. After how bad the engine worked with McLaren, I don't think a team is gonna be wanting an engine just like the one they had with McLaren.
0: Okay. How long before the Red Bull Renault slap fight resumes?
1: Um, last week. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, they no, they, no, they have they have not I'm, been bad mouthing Renault. Christian I'm Horner's kidding. behaved so far
1: so far um i think it'll probably commence by barcelona i think we'll get a couple of flyaway races done but it's all going to depend on how they do from the very beginning and how they do in comparison to their sister team of Renault and toro rosso
0: i actually think they're going to make it to about austria Mm. with the thought being that the flyaway races once they hit barcelona that's where these uh, improvements, techni- these upgrades, technically start to come. So I, I think they're going to get a couple races past Barcelona to see how ineffective those upgrades are before they start bad mouthing them. So I think Austria.
2: I I'm thinking at the beginning of um silly season because it's getting like close to the end, and that's when Red Bull may be like desperate to find like an eh- they need an er- engine provider for them.
0: But around what month do you think?
1: I mean, Silly Season could start at the first race.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, probably after um, summer break.
0: Okay. Okay, next question. Will Nico Rosberg stay with Mercedes for 2017?
1: I think no. My thought process is I don't think he's going to gain ground on Lewis, and so he's going to need to be in a different car to try to compete.
0: That That's kind of my thought also. I think he's going to get tired of playing second fiddle to, to Lewis, but I don't know if he would be any more successful in another team.
1: Oh, I don't know if he'll actually be more successful. I think he's going to get fed up and want to take his toys and go home, and I think Mercedes might want to court a different number two driver.
2: I I think yes, because Nico Rosberg, maybe each time when he's up against those he gets closer and closer and closer. So I think, yeah, if he's going to get even more closer and close enough, they could probably.
0: So you think he'll narrow the gap? hmm Okay. Max Verstappen, will he do a third year at Toro Rosso, or will he be going to another team?
1: I think he's going to go to another team. And I'm thankful you didn't ask me which team.
0: Oh, I almost – I was about to. (laughs) So you don't want to do that, huh? Okay.
1: Well, I don't want to lose full credit for mispredicting the team because I think it's equal money as to where he could go. But I think that he will either get picked up by the main Red Bull team.
0: I don't think that will happen.
1: Or – I think that the idea of him going to a Ferrari or even take Nico's spot at Mercedes would be pretty high up on the possibility side. We
0: we know they're both interested. Mm -hmm. But the other thing I'm kind of wondering is maybe a Williams seat.
1: Would be an interesting move. It definitely would. It's whether or not Williams could afford it.
0: I think they could. I think they could.
1: And which one are they going to give up? Uh, That
0: we need to see. That I mean th- that that's truly the big question, and it also it depends with all the other movements that happen who get signed.
1: Yep. Um, what do you think? Will Max do a third year?
2: Um, it depends. Is Max the guy last year who was um, kind of like the maldonado? No,
0: no Max was not a maldonado.
2: Okay. Because uh, the youngest. Then guy. I think he'll probably he probably will move up.
0: You think he's gonna move also?
2: Yeah, I think he may go to Williams or something. Cause at least he isn't Maldonado. Cause Claire Williams said with Maldonado, she was so fed up with him. Cause he would crash, but then not. But he would blame it on something else.
1: mm Hmm. I don't think one of your questions is if Maldonado will return to the sport next year, will it?
0: No, I, I I'm not expecting that we will see Pastor Maldonado in a Formula One car ever again. Oh good. Okay. So the next question. What big event do you think will happen this year? And I'm gonna go first because I've already put this in. Now I'll
1: type it. <laughs> Okay.
0: So my my big event. Partnership will be announced for twenty seventeen between McLaren and Renault.
1: Interesting.
0: That's what I'm going with.
1: Interesting. Boy, what do you have as your big event for next year?
2: My big event is um Seb at least gain like the top two. Okay. Because my feeling is the Mercedes boys are probably going to take each other out, and that's going to leave leeway for Seb again.
0: righty.
1: I've thought
2: about this one, because you did preface
1: that this was the big question, and I've mm-hmm. thought about it. This one I
0: figure you need to work on.
1: You know, I thought about whether or not it would be a partnership issue or it would be a sudden growth piece, but I think the story that everybody's going to talk about most of the year was is going to be the success of Haas Racing.
0: Okay. Well, we will watch this year and eagerly see what happens, but whether or not it will, well, to quote Mari Wilson,
2: Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps.
0: <laughs> true, <laughs> true.
1: And on that note, I think we should call it a show. All right.